Good evening and welcome once again to another episode of the Friday Night Parkdale Special. I'm your host Joyrider coming to you live from the Dollhouse in downtown Toronto with my feline co-hosts Chatty G, Silent J, and Floofmaster Toby. And this is episode 58. This past week, there was a lot going on, and the days just got away from me, so I didn't have time to put together a proper show. But I didn't want to just bail on you all, so I went digging through my personal files and came across a playlist that I made for a friend a few months ago. We had been talking about making mixtapes when we were in high school, ones that we received and ones that we gave. And while I had made a handful, none of them were very honest about who I was at the time. That conversation inspired me to make a mixtape of music that I loved when I was in high school that I would have put on a mix had I had the guts to be honest about who I was back then. Hi, And that is what I'm going to share with you this evening. So first up, from James's album Seven, which came out in 1992, this is Born of Frustration.
was in my early to mid-teens, my Aunt Becky was dating a guy named Greg, and he had some pretty good taste in music. He was one of the first people to introduce me to Metallica, but he also got me into this next band from their 13th studio album, which came out in 1989. This is the title track from Rush's Presto. Constellations of life I look down into a million houses And wonder what you 
The other album that Greg got me into was Injustice for All by Metallica. And uh, if you find a copy of that album that's been dubbed Injustice for Jason, listen to it. It is a version that has been remastered with the bass leveled up to an appropriate level. That, though, is another story. That Rush album, I remember listening to that so much in high school. I was just saying in chat, I have fond memories of walking along the train tracks, listening to that on my Walkman. Up next, also from 1989, this is from their debut album. This is Jesus Jones, Song 13.
been trying to remember for the last few minutes how I actually discovered this next band. And I think it was that I met a guy at a house party and we were both into The Cure and punk music. And he was wearing a Ned's Atomic Dustbin t-shirt. And we started dating and he made me a mixtape. I think it was actually the only one that I received in high school because I wasn't very cool. And um, I fell in love with Ned's Atomic Dustbin to a point where at one time I was considering getting the logo tattooed on my butt. Thankfully I didn't, but um, I still love them. And I've had the pleasure to see them live a couple of times. And I'm sincerely hoping that either I will get the opportunity again to go overseas and see them or that they will come back to North America and I will get to see them then. From their second album, Are You Normal, which came out in 1992, this is Suave and Suffocated. Just like you feel, the world is that oyster. 
The first time I saw Ned's Atomic Dustbin live was the very first Edge Fest, and it was back when the stage that uh, was circular and rotated 360 degrees, which I'm still sad that that isn't a thing anymore. It was so cool. And there were a group of us pressed up against the fence where the entry to the backstage was. And there were people going, oh, sign my thing, sign my thing. And there was some guy who yelled, sign my nipple. And for whatever reason, I guess because I was 15 or 16 and had no sense, I yelled, no, sign mine. And the members of the band were all kind of looking at us. And John said, oh, we got a, a crowd of really low moral fiber here. And uh, I thought that was hilarious. This next one came out in 1991. And I remember skipping my first period class with my friend Justin. And we went over to the Kozlov Mall before it actually opened. So we could be the very first ones to get both albums at once. And it was totally worth it. This from 1991 is Guns N' Roses Estranged. When you're talking to yourself and nobody's home You can't fool yourself You can end this world alone Don't you, babe? 
So while I think I got into this next artist in 1986 with Action Replay, the, his first album is probably the one that has stuck with me the most over the years because there's just some absolutely solid gems on it. From 1984's Humans Lib, this is Howard Jones and his title track from his debut album, Humans Lib.
This next band, I remember my mom and I getting into when we were first on our own after my parents separated. And uh, I, I have fond memories of us belting out the songs together, uh, both in the kitchen and in the car. And their third album was actually a birthday present from a friend in 1991. But we're going to listen to something from their second album next, from 1988's Temple of Low Men. This is Crowded Houses Into Temptation. You opened up your door I couldn't believe my luck You and your new blue dress Taking away my breath A cradle is soft and warm I couldn't do me no harm You're showing me how to give Into temptation Knowing full well the earth will rebel Into temptation Muddled of nervous words Never amount to betrayal Sentences all my own And the price is to watch it fail As I turn to go You looked at me for half a second with an open invitation For me to go into temptation Knowing full well the earth will rebel Into temptation Safe in the wide open arms of hell Can go sailing in, climb down, lose yourself when you linger long into temptation. Last slow hours of morning Experience is cheap I should listen to the warning But the cradle is soft and warm
Their third album, by the way, was Woodface, and I actually had a friend, I commissioned her to make me a mask that was basically a replica of the Woodface cover, but wearable. She did an amazing job. Sometime I'll post a picture of it on Instagram. Up next is a track from a band that I was introduced to through a friend's older brother. I think I was in grade 10? 11 and I was hanging out with this girl named Nicole and her older brother was super cool. He actually gave me his Jane's Addiction shirt from Ritual de Habitual. He had worn it in the pit at the very first Lollapalooza here in Toronto and someone had torn the collar and he said yeah if you think you can fix it you can have it and I was like yeah I know how to fix that no problem so I took it home and I repaired the collar and I hung on to that until I was about 32. Nicole's brother introduced both she and I to The Watchmen and from their first album, McLaren Furnace Room, which came out in 1992, this is Must To Be Free.
Next is another band that I was introduced to by someone older than me. In fact, it was one of my first babysitters. I think her name was Tina. I remember she lived in a mint green house and she loved Madonna and the Pet Shop Boys. And this is actually from the Pet Shop Boys' second album, actually. And it's one of those songs that didn't hit me until I was much older and then listening to it, it struck a chord based on some experiences that I had during that time. From 1987, this is the Pet Shop Boys, It Couldn't Happen Here.
This next band, I think I've seen live twice, although I think the first time I saw them was a CFNY Canada Day picnic at the CNE when I was 11, and I barely remember it. If I remember right, though, the lineup also included National Velvet, 5440, Blue Rodeo, and I feel like there are a few more, but I would have to dig through my box of old ticket stubs. While I did hear about them fairly early on, it wasn't until their 1989 album, which I believe was their third, uh, called Now and Again, that I really got hooked into them. And this song in particular spoke to me and my relationship with my mother at the time. From The Grapes of Wrath, this is All the Things I Wasn't. of hiding spent apart the wall was all we'd share about the closest you could get about all I would bear Don't tell me all the things I wasn't could have made this big a difference to all the things you are so familiar with that album that my brain immediately launches into the next track. Up next, this band released their first album in 1990, but I didn't hear about them until 1992, I think, and it was through a friend of a friend who I was hanging out with. His name was Jeremy. He was a skateboarder, and he had a pet chameleon, and I thought he was super cool. From the 1992 album Dirt, this is Alice in Chains, Down in a Hole. Ooh, 
So sticking with grunge for a moment, in 1990, the lead singer of Mother Love Bone, Andrew Wood, died of a heroin overdose. And Chris Cornell and Stone Gossard, Jeff Ament, Mike McCready, and Matt Cameron, all of whom were members of either Soundgarden or Pearl Jam or Mother Love Bone or all three, ended up forming Temple of the Dog, probably maybe about eight months after Wood's death. This concept proved so successful that not long after, another supergroup was formed. It didn't end up being as popular or well-known as Temple of the Dog, but it had members who were no less famous, including, again, Stone Gossard, one of the members of a former band of Andrew Woods named Regan Haar, and Sean Smith and Jeremy Toback. They wanted to initially call the band Shame, but it turned out that that name was already in use. So they went with the name of the guy who actually had the rights to the name, which is kind of a funny way to go about it. But anyway, that guy's name was Brad. So they chose the name Brad for the band and named their first album Shame. The album came out in 1992, and this I found out about through a magazine. It was like one of those little magazines that you would get for free, like I or Now, and your hands would be covered in the ink by the time you finished reading it. This one was called Meat, and it was all metal, an alternative. From Brad's first album, Shame, this is Screen. I ever wanted 
So by the time I was in high school, I had started to get into bands. Um, the first one was with a friend named Eric, and I think we were in grade 10 when we started writing music together. It was completely by happenstance. He was just sort of jamming away by himself in one of the halls outside of his locker. And I was walking by and I heard him playing this little riff. I'm like, whoa, play that again? And he kind of looked at me. He's like, sure, okay. Starts playing it again. And I sat down beside him. And within a half an hour, we had a song written. From there... We ended up writing maybe a half a dozen songs together, and um, I ended up doing a cover of a Jane's Addiction song with my friend Mark, I think it was grade 11, uh, for our variety show that year. From Nothing Shocking, this is Jane's Addiction's Jane Says. Walk the 
I remember correctly, Mark was wearing a cape, a paper bag on his head, and had three balloons tied to the neck of his guitar. I was wearing a homemade Lieutenant Ahura costume, combat boots, and a two-foot-tall blue fun fur top hat that I had stuffed with newspaper so that it made me look like I had a Marge Simpson wig on. Interesting times. Up next is a song from one of my favorite albums of all time, and I am always going to be sad that I didn't get to see this band on this particular tour. But my mom said I was too young to come into the city by myself. (laughs) From 1989's Disintegration, this is The Cure's Homesick.
I think I was in grade 9 or grade 10 when I got into silk screening t-shirts and after that I ended up hand painting a bunch and the back of one I actually had a line from that song inspiring me the desire in me to never go home and I believe it was grade 12 when the art teacher in my school got permission for us to do murals in the hallways of the school and in the upstairs stairwell 
I ended up doing a portrait of Robert Smith. It was just mostly his eye partially shrouded by his hair. I think it was like five degrees skewed at the wrong angle, but it was still pretty good otherwise. <laughs> this next album dates back to, I believe, 1986, and this was actually his fifth solo album. While the rest of the album was what we tended to focus on, this particular song stuck with me a lot longer, especially as an adult when I got into psychology. From the 1986 album So, this is Peter Gabriel's We Do What We're Told, Milgram's 37. group that I'm going to play, I 
actually discovered again through a friend's older brother. Rob was somebody that I had a crush on for a couple of grades, but it was his older brother who gave him this t-shirt. And I remember looking at the shirt and going, what band is that? I need to know more. And he said, oh, yeah, it's something my brother gave me. Album is called uh, Music for the Masses. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I got to look them up. And then they put out a new album the next year. And I bought it. And I have really clear memories of going on a class trip with my art class. And I was listening to this album on my headphones throughout the entire trip from 1990s Violator. This is Depeche Mode's Waiting for the Night. Someone is coming to 
This next track, I remember listening to the album on my Walkman on my way to Toronto from my hometown and I was coming down to see a friend. I was listening to this album pretty much on repeat. I was actually lucky enough to have a Walkman that had a toggle so you didn't have to take the tape out and flip it. You just flip the toggle and it would reverse the play. It was awesome. This was one of the last tracks on the album and it was the one that again stuck with me the most. From 1994's The Downward Spiral, this is Nine Inch Nails' A Warm Place.
Our last track for the night actually comes to us from a band that you might not expect me to play if you're familiar with their back catalog, but in the early to mid-90s, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I was reading a magazine called Meet a fair bit. It was a free weekly or monthly that my favorite local record store carried. And in one issue, there was an ad for this album. So I figured, why not check it out? So I bought the album and it is very clear as you listen to it that it's from a prog rock band, but it's also a really unusual concept album. Apparently, one of the band members had heard a news story about a girl who was taken into police custody after being found wandering the Severn Bridge in Wales. She didn't know who she was, where she came from, and she wouldn't even talk. So, Hogarth decided to write a story about this girl and what happened to her that she was in this state. There are a couple of releases of this album, and... I have been searching for one of the pressings for a very long time. There's the standard ending, and then there's the alternative ending. One is very positive, and the other is not. It's the alternative that I haven't been able to find, and I have bought a pressing from Brazil, from Canada, a re-release, and a high-def (laughs) re-release. And I still haven't heard the alternative ending. I know what it's supposed to sound like, but uh, I've never actually heard it. Nonetheless, from the album Brave, which came out in 1994, this is the title track by Marillion. This is Brave.
And that's our show for tonight. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to have you share some of your week with me. If you like what I do, consider supporting the show by tossing a coin to your DJ at ko-fi.com forward slash djoyrider. Your tips go to new tunes for future episodes. You can follow the show on Facebook at the Friday Night Parkdale Special, all one word, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at djoyrider. I'm always open to hearing new show ideas, and those are great places to drop your suggestions. I look forward to hearing them. As always, be well and stay safe. Get your vaccine if you can. And we'll see you next week. Have a good one.